0: Hello, welcome to the Women in Big Data Brussels podcast, where we talk about big data topics with diversity and inclusiveness in mind. We do this to inspire you and to connect, engage, grow, and champion the success of women in big data. The aim of this podcast is to reveal to you what you can do with big data, how organizations and societies use it, and the potential of big data to create a better future for everyone.
1: So Needs Map, as I said, is a social initiative, is a non-profit organization, and the idea is how can we match the people in need and people and institutions and organizations who would like to provide support.
0: In this ninth episode, we talk about data, humanitarian aid and migration with Tuba Birchan. She's a research professor of sociology at the VUB and social scientist to welcome Connecting Science and also at the Coughley Center for Ethics, Science and the Public at Cambridge University. We talk about Tuba's interest in the topic of this episode, the social initiative Needs and the book Data Science for Migration and Mobility, co-ordered by Tuba. Let's start. Welcome Tuba. I'm really excited to talk with you about data, migration and humanitarian aid as these are topics that are also close to your heart. So can you tell us what it means to you and what you want to achieve?
1: Thanks a lot for the invitation. It's a pleasure to be here. So I'm Tuba Birjan. I'm currently senior social scientist at the Welcome Connecting Science and the Kavli Research Center for Ethics Science and the Public at the University of Cambridge. But I'm also a research professor of sociology at the Free University of Brussels. I am a statistician by training and I've been in social sciences for quite some time. So I started with the political science, but jumped between different social sciences. So I can call myself an interdisciplinary researcher. And I have worked on the qualitative, but also quantitative and mostly advanced statistical methods and the applications in social sciences, which was in a way the seed of my interest in the big data and AI applications. And for the last eight years, I've been working on how to ensure the ethically and socially responsible use of big data and AI for tackling societal and political challenges.
0: Well, that's good to hear. And... If we look at this topic, what does it mean to you?
1: Of course, we do know that yeah, big data and AI have been gaining importance all around also in our daily life. However, most of the times we consider it too technical and it is mostly dominated by data scientists and computer scientists who have been developing it. However, there is a human and societal aspect of it. In fact, AI is everywhere on our mobile phone, on our social media data. So I do believe that it infused our daily lives so much. We have to understand the impact on human beings and the societies. That's why I believe that we should also have more social scientists involved in collaboration with people who are working with big data, because we are not only talking about the technical challenges with these rapidly emerging technologies, we are also talking about the societal challenges too. And what
0: kind of social challenges are you working on at this moment?
1: I'm working on migration and humanitarian data particularly, and also public attitudes towards these new technologies in different areas like health. But specifically for migration and humanitarian aid, we are working with particularly mobile phone data, internet drive data, like social media data and search data, as well as satellite data. So we do know that big data is not perfect. We do know that it is big in terms of volume, but we are talking about veracity of it, where we already agree that this data is constantly generating with a lot of errors in it. So it is not only about correcting the errors in the algorithms, because we do know that, for instance, bias might exist. It can be in the algorithm or it can be in the interpretation and the use of it. So there are various cases we see that AI applications fail to comply with the ethical Expectations and there were stepbacks to give you a very basic example from the Amazon's recruitment tool, or when we talk about allocation of the police force in an area or in migration, when we talk about using facial recognition of iron scans for the refugees to have access to fundamental rights. So, in short, it is rapidly evolving, as I said, but we are still working on it as the EU the AI principles, which try to make that we have a human aspect in the utilization of these things. So that's why we are talking about the existing bias and how to overcome them in the data, as well as algorithms, but more importantly, how they are used. Just to sum up, I can say that when we are talking about the AI systems overall, it is important to remember that these are tools and have been used by people Mm -hmm. so and these systems are mimicking us i think we have to work a bit harder to make sure that we develop unbiased systems where unfortunately we as a society or the communities are still biased have stereotypes have discrimination and inequality
0: yes i understand and the bottleneck is us it's humans
1: exactly exactly
0: and you're also the founder of neat maps And it maps, for example, the needs in Turkey due to the massive earthquake on February 6th, 2023. So what exactly is need maps and how does it work? And of course, can the listeners also contribute?
1: Yeah, thanks a lot for raising this because it's a topic that is very close to my heart. I am one of the founders of the European Office of the Needs Map. In fact, Needs Map is an old nonprofit organization that was founded in 2015 in Turkey. But we are active in Brussels since 2022, and of course, we wanted to have things in a more settled and systematic way. But then we are going through this catastrophic tragedy as of beginning of February. So Needs Map, as I said, is a social initiative, is a nonprofit organization, and the idea is. How can we match the people in need and people and institutions and organizations who would like to provide support? So we do know that especially during the humanitarian crisis or when we have disasters or tragedies, this could be a conflict, this could be a wildfire or an earthquake or flood. People really want to help. And there are a lot of civil initiatives that are on the field to help too. But because of the nature and the unsystematic development of the situation, it is very difficult to coordinate. Needs map. It's a technological product itself. We are talking about a GIS based system where people can enter their needs. Assume that I'm sitting in Glover and I can say that, oh, in my street, there is a family who needs some stationary or computer support for their kids. But this information had to be really accurate because we have an assessment and accuracy setting. Or checking colleagues. So once it is entered into the system, then our people go and check the validity. And if that's the case, it appears online on the map. And then if you are someone or an institute who would like to help, you can go and check what type of needs are there and where you would like to do. I think it is crucial to mention that needs map is not a transfer point. We just coordinate so the support provider can directly help the person in need. Of course, in normal days and under expected conditions, it works way easier. But when we have this, for instance, earthquake case, you know, the earthquake happened in 11 different cities and it's a very large geographical area, as big as Belgium, to give a scale. And we are talking about more than 50,000 people unfortunately lost their lives. We are talking about 15 million people affected and still more than 100,000 people under the rubble. So it's a huge tragedy. And there, of course, we got a lot of support, but we are working with a lot of NGOs. The first thing that I'd like to mention is for people who would like to help, we developed a platform, which is a web-based platform, which is called Disaster Platform, where we are working with more than 20 organizations, including like public authorities and NGOs, where we try to make sure that we are working in harmony, you know, like because all the civil initiatives are trying to do the same things and we do know what each other does and what it needs. Secondly, we do have several campaigns. For instance, the first campaign is One Home, One Rent, which means we would like to initiate that these people who had to leave these or internally displaced, they need to get new homes. And they need to get new rental places, but it is very difficult in terms of finances and also arrangements. So what we do is on this campaign, people can go and say that I would like to cover the rental cost of a family for that long. So they can really already donate for a specific region in addition to that we have i'm with you campaign where we would like to support the university students who have been affected not only the ones whose families were there but also the ones who were affected because they were studying in the universities in the area so you can provide scholarship to the university students so we have so many different campaigns that we do scientifically proved because, for instance, we do have a blockchain technology which is called SOS Chain, Mm -hmm. where we try to also synchronize the global things because we do know that a lot of people in the UK ask me, how can I send money? Do you have a UK account? I have to say that NeedsMap is being settled in the UK too, but I mean, we do have a European bank account, but we are working with other NGOs too. So, in short, we need volunteers who would like to work with us. It doesn't need to be on the field and in Turkey because this is a technological product. So, we are very open for interns who are interested in such things and the volunteers. Secondly, you can donate because we do have accounts. And if you go to needsmap.coop, like Cope, you will see that on the first page, we give a lot of bank account numbers if you would like to donate. But in addition to that, we would like to underline that support is not needed in the short run. So, we need to have a sustainable support system for the midterm and the long term. And I also have to say that we are working with several organizations where they come up with their own projects. Just to sum up, for instance, one of the companies from Germany is helping us to build a school with five classrooms and a daycare. So we are working with a municipality. Another group of companies from the UK are helping us to build a hospital, a fully functional hospital. So we are also open for any ideas because in some cases, the organizations particularly come up with some ideas. So we do know that we are going to need support for the long run. So they can contact me, check our website for any further information.
0: And Tuba, if we look at needs map, I also understood that there's a project that's called disaster map. Can you tell us a bit more about that?
1: Yes, of course. It's one of the most relevant ones, I think, for today, because we are trying to build a technological platform and product group where we can use to empower the humanitarian aid. And particularly the disaster map is one of the um, joint initiatives of this platform. What we do is that it started after one of the earthquakes in Turkey, and we are working with the GIS technologies where we really map the region of the disaster. And today, if they will go, they will see this southern Turkey and Syrian earthquake. And they will also see that we try to cover the area as much as possible. So we are trying to estimate the number of population who have been affected by the disaster and on different scales, like heavily affected or lightly affected. So when we look at that, you will see that it is around 15 million people where More than 500,000 people were severely affected by the earthquakes. In addition to that, you will see a map because we map where the warehouses are, where the tents are, where people can really gather as well as the damaged buildings. So we really wanted to show specific districts. So it's a very precise mapping of different areas and districts to see the status of the buildings. In addition to that, we also estimate some specific demographics, like to see how many children have been affected, what is the uh, proportion of women and what is the proportion of elderly people, because these are also important for the initiatives where they particularly develop some projects or support for either elderly or extremely ill or children or women. Just to give you an example, based on our estimations, one of the Women's Century Products Company sent more than 1 million products to the areas that we helped them to identify. So it was really like tailor-made uh, support and of course, how it happens, where do we get the data? I think this is very important. The technology is there, but we need the grassroots data. We already have almost 14 14- thousand volunteers who are working with us on the field. What they have to do is share the location. We need the coordinates. They take very detailed photos in the area. They take notes. And based on that, we really gather the information. We have a technical team which cleans up the information and matches the photographs with the coordinates and the maps that we already have on Turkey. And I have to say that these volunteers are all over the world. We are not only working with the Turkish volunteers, of course that's the majority, but everyone can volunteer to help us. In addition to that, we do have our major offices in Ankara, in Istanbul like in the big cities where we have our colleagues and volunteers who are working on the desk Mm -hmm. to really improve the technology and the precision because we are talking about basically predictive models and the data to train is lacking. So we are trying to improve the data for that. So it is about the mapping, the aftermath, predicting the impacted areas and people. And of course, like estimating the need and then matching the needs with the people who would like to support.
0: What an amazing initiative. Thanks for sharing that with us. And for the listeners, go to the website of Needs Map and see what you can do. And for me, Tuba, I went to the website and I saw a map with so many flags in Turkey. What do I need to do? Because I was overwhelmed. There's so much help needed.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, that's the case in many countries. And I have to say that this map was built before the earthquake. So it also has other needs. So it is not only about the earthquake. So if you're particularly interested in the earthquake, it's better to go to the region which is at the Syrian border. So we are around Aleppo, you know, like there. But what you can do is you can click on every single let's say, flag, and normally can see what they need. So what I would suggest, rather than going on every single flag, if you scroll down, you're going to see a list of existing ongoing projects because these are, in a way, categorized version of them. So like you can think, okay, I'm going to help people with their rents, or you can say that I'm going to help them with getting computers, or you can say that I'm going to help helpless people. So these can give you an idea about which areas you can really help So, in short, you can go through the website and then check different campaigns and contact us if you have any type of question. But we are also open for suggestions because that happens a lot, because we have such a broad volunteers network, Mm -hmm. so if people want to come up with ideas, we are more than happy to discuss too.
0: Okay. Thank you very much. And are there already supporters from Belgium, for instance?
1: Yes, King Borua Foundation, I have to say that they are aware of our way. So they supported a couple of activities. And we were so lucky because they also mobilized their stakeholders for us. In addition to that, Fari was a supporter from day one. I have to thank them too. So yes, there are several stakeholders in Belgium who are aware. And we have our office in Brussels very recently.
0: uh And besides NeedsMap, you also have the time to co-author a book, Data Science for Migration and Mobility.
1: Thanks for bringing it up. So let's go back to academic work a little bit because, in fact, that's my major job. You know, like I'm a researcher. I put a lot of effort in studying and understanding, as I said, the big data and AI use for studying migration and humanitarian aid. So the book is called Data Science for Migration and Mobility. You know, you can really get it from two sides. It is for studying migration and mobility, but we also would like to make the nuance that for migration. So, you know, to take the advantage of these technologies. So assuming that the gain will be for migrants and migration. So this book is an edited book where we have 19 chapters from more than 30 authors from all over the world. And the idea of this book is twofold. First, we would like to familiarize the social scientists who would like to learn more about the machine learning techniques, deep learning techniques, and the big data sources for migration. It's a handbook. But on the other hand, we also would like to introduce the concepts and the theories and the importance of the social and societal approach to migration studies as a theme for the data scientists and computer scientists. Because they have the technical skills and the competences and the social scientists, they know the contexts They've been working on these topics for long. So we would like to build a space for collaboration. That's why this book has one part, which is devoted to introducing the data sources. So very clearly explaining which type of data sources have been used. We are talking about various social media data like Facebook data, Twitter data, LinkedIn data. We are talking about satellite data. We are talking about mobile phone data. We are talking about combination of various data sources. So the readers can learn at the end where to get that data, how to download it and how to process the basics. And then we have some parts about the visualization because it's very important that big data is also communicated in the right way. We have a lot of case studies where we show how to analyze. And do you have an example for that, for one of the cases? For instance, I can talk about mine. In my chapter, I'm explaining where the satellite data can be downloaded, for instance. In which format? Can anyone process it? What type of skills I need? So if I can't process it, are there any pre-processed products and the variables? How can I use them? And then I also show several cases, particularly for the humanitarian aid and internal displacement, how it has been used. To give you an example, the satellite images have been used on the vessel controls on Mediterranean. So you can see that it can be used to stop the boats, you know, like from arriving to the European coast, but it has been also used by especially civil society to help the boats to reach the coast and the shore safely. We also have an an interesting example from financial data, how to use bank transactions to work on the remittances and the transnationalism to see the links between different countries if we call them sending country and receiving country. I have to underline that we have a very large and important and significant chapter on ethics, but we particularly asked every single chapter authors to reflect on what can go wrong with the big data, which areas we should be careful with both technically, but also ethically. So because we do believe that it's very important to consider these new technologies as a huge potential, but we also have to acknowledge where we need to work further to make it better. Mm-hmm.
0: And to uh, thank you very much for being our guest. It's,
1: it's been a pleasure. Thanks a lot for giving me the opportunity to talk about what we have been doing. Thanks a lot.
0: Thanks for listening to the Women in Big Data Brussels podcast. We appreciate it if you get in touch with us to provide your feedback or request to partner up and be a guest. You can contact us via datawomen at protonmail.com. That is datawomen at protonmail.com. you also find our contact details in the show notes. Tune in next time.